Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Have you guys enjoyed this series, Choosing Joy? Just say what I did there, enjoy, choose, anyway. Now, have you guys, it's kind of been heavy, hasn't it? A little bit. So here's what I want you to do. Today, we're going to be talking about grin and bear it. So I want you to high five your neighbor and tell them today you need to grin and bear it. <laughs> so we're going to unpack this a little bit today, but it's, uh, it's so awesome. We're going to be continuing this series, and we've discovered that joy, no matter what the situation, is a choice. And so uh, besides being the happiest book in the New Testament, there's also another feature about the book of Philippians that's kind of unique, and it is a very relational book. It talks a lot about relationships. So today, that's kind of what we're going to be unpacking is choosing joy in the middle of relationships. So overall, right now, what we've, we're, we're kind of going to be looking at today, Paul is writing a letter. And he's writing kind of a thank you note to the book or to the church of Philippi. Now, he planted this church and they're in the city of Greece. And he is right now in prison in Rome. So they have been kind of supporting him, loving on him. So he's writing a thank you letter to them for the support. So that's kind of where we pick up today. And so a lot of Paul's uh, writings in the book of Philippians is choosing joy in spite of relational issues. So we're going to dive in. If you have your Bible, and you should because you're in church, we're going to be in Philippians 2 too. If not, we have it on the screen for you. But we're going to start, and it says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord, and of one mind. So right here, Paul's kind of setting up that when we go in relationship with someone, typically we usually have kind of the same uh, likes, the same interests, right? That's why in small groups we kind of set it up that way, that um, you guys kind of clump together and come together in doing the things that you already like to do. So that's how Paul is kind of going about this when you're in relationship. So Paul is saying here that we need to conquer relational issues and challenges. He's saying, almost like back in kindergarten, you know how they say you everything you need to know in life you learned in kindergarten? Remember, he's saying if everybody could just get along, then we'd have joy, right? But Paul knows that it can't always be that way, and to be happy while in your relationships is really hard if that relationship has issues. So I've kind of chalked it up and kind of look at it in this way, that if you're not happy in your relationships, you cannot find joy. It's really difficult. And so I've met like rich people. I've met uh, famous people. I've met people with tons of accomplishments. And no matter how much money and accolades and fame and all that stuff, if they're going through a bad situation or they have a bad relational issue, then they're not happy no matter what's going on. If they're having issues with their kid or they're getting divorced, they're just not happy and it's hard to find joy. So up front, I want to be clear that choosing joy in relationships is not faking it. All right, it's not the fake it till you make it mentality. 
It's not. It's choosing to find joy in the situation. When I was a kid growing up, and I've shared uh, most of my story with you guys, but whenever I was a kid, I was 10 years old, and my, my mom got really sick. She eventually died that year whenever I was 10 years old. But while she was sick, I had to go stay with tons of people that I didn't know. Now, supposedly they were family. I judge my, my family's character. They probably think I'm kidding. They probably just like, here, take it. No, I'm kidding. But I was with a lot of people I didn't know. It was just wild. And so they're like, yeah, you know, Aunt Trudy, you know, the one with the mustache. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't know. You know, but I'm like, you're going to live with her for a week. And I'm like, awesome. At dawn, we ride. So, you know, like I'm, I'm at these people's house. I'm 10 years old. I'm trying to figure out what my mom's going through. And, and you know, I'm like, is she going to die? And I'm with all these different people. And so with the relationship that we had, I'm like a 10-year-old kid basically like raising myself. And they're over here pinching my cheeks, right? Like, oh, you're so cute. And I'm like, I'm 10. Back off, right? Have you ever had those situations where you just kind of have to grin and bear it, right? How many people have ever been in a situation where you just had to kind of grin and bear it? The rest of you are liars. <laughs> you should read Revelation 21. I'm kidding. I love you. But you're lying. You've been in the situation where you've been in something and you just have to grin and bear it. Well, that was kind of one of the times where I just had to grin and bear it. And I think that sometimes that's how we look at relationships. Like most of our relationships, we look like we just got to make it through. We're going to grin and bear it. We're going to just fake it till we make it. And that's not what God intended. That's not it at all. He's a relational God. And he, he set it up, that, he set up our relationship with him like a marriage. Relationship to God is a big deal. And he did not want us to go into this with that mindset. So you may be here today and you may be having a, a marriage that, that's failing. And you, might, you guys might be you know, coming to church and small group and hanging out with your friends. You're just grinning and bearing it. Or you might have issues with your teenager. God bless you. But you, both of you might just be grinning and bearing it, right? Because you can't stand to be away from each other or around each other. Or you might have a boss that you just want to hit with your car. <laughs> and when you see him or her, you just grin and bear it, right? Whatever your situation that you find yourself in, just grinning and bearing it, that's not what God wants or has intended for you. In fact, if you are in those situations, you're probably going to love and hate this message. You're going to love it because I'm, today, Paul is going to help us find freedom from that fake smile that we have to put on. But you're also going to love it because if you apply these principles, they're guaranteed to work. No matter what's going on, no matter how bad the situation, it's guaranteed to work. But on the other hand, you're going to hate it because it goes against our very nature. It's, it goes against everything we've ever been taught, everything we want to do. And so you're going to find it a little hard. In fact, it's actually the exact opposite of what we want to do and what we've been taught. But I think that you guys are up for the challenge. So let's jump in, Philippians 2, 3. And it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So I'm going to stop there for a second. Do nothing. So I love Paul because he's a matter-of-a-fact person. I love that. I don't like people I have to guess. I'm over here like, do you like me? Do you not? Like, I just need to know. Like, if you don't, that's cool. But he's just that matter-of-a-fact person. So he says, do nothing. Like, don't do, it's okay to do it over here and not over here. He's like, no, do nothing in selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility. Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of the others. So he's telling us, 
basically right here, he's pulling no punches and telling us to go to the central issue, right? So he's sitting here and he's saying, here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to stop looking at your situations through the details. How many people do that? Have you ever like looked at your relationships and you look at it through details, right? You're like, well, we got divorced because we struggled to communicate. Or I quit my job because they didn't value me. Or I really don't like them because they ate the last Krispy Kreme, right? Don't you hate those people? Don't eat the last Krispy Kreme. Don't be that person. But anyway, we look at it through the situations, and then we make our judgment. But, but Paul here is saying, no, I don't want you to do that. Don't look at the details. I need you to kind of look up a little bit. I need you to look at the core issue going on. And that's what he's doing. He's kind of raising us up. So if you're taking notes, and you should be, because people who take notes in church get bigger mansions in heaven. <laughs> they do. I'm still looking for the biblical you know, stance on that. But once I find it, I will tell you. So we're going to talk about the two inescapable relational rules. Two inescapable relational rules. That is really hard to say. So number one is pride destroys relationships. Yes, it does. Won't you say it with me? Pride destroys, re destroys relationships. Think about that. That's huge. We could like pack up and go home when we've had church, right? It's huge. There is an element of pride in everything we do. But if that's the case, then humility deepens relationships. So say that one out loud. Humility deepens relationships. Think about that. Humility deepens relationships. So Paul is basically saying pride and humility exist in every relationship. There's an element of it. And whichever one is more prominent is going to be how the outcome of that relationship comes. You see, I think it's really funny is I can hang out with people and just because I love personality and I study it and different stuff, and I can watch people and kind of tell if their marriage is going to last or not just by the way that they interact with each other. And basically, you just have to look to see, are they prideful or are they humble towards each other? And if they're prideful, then... Get ready, buckle up, because the relationship's not going to go well. And that sounds really hard to say, but it's evident. It's fact. And so the thing that he is trying to get us to do is stop trying to, to, to look at it and take medicine. It's almost like he's saying, sometimes when we have symptoms, we take medicine for the symptoms. But Paul is saying, I need you to go a little bit deeper. Find the source of it, and let's find true healing in a relationship. So he does that by saying pride destroys, destroys relationship, and humility deepens it. So pride is a big deal. It's at the root of every sin that we have. right? What, what is the middle letter of the word pride? All right, good job. What's the middle letter of the word crime? Uh, easy one. What's the middle letter of sin? There you go. You're smarter than a fifth grader. Congratulations. It's awesome. But no, I, that's the problem is we don't have necessarily all these issues. We have an I problem and we want what we want. I want what I want when I want it. I want it how I want it. I want it this way. And that comes from selfish ambition and vain conceit. Just what he's talking about. When we take that mentality on, that in this relationship, I want you to do this because I need you to do this for me. Then we're taking on the vain conceit, uh, the vain ambition and vain conceit that he's talking about because we want someone to meet our needs. So if pride is our greatest enemy, then humility is our greatest friend. If pride 
is our greatest enemy, then humility is our greatest friend. Humility is the foundation of every relationship. If you walk away with nothing today, get that if you humble yourself in any relationship, that relationship can be restored. My wife and I, we went through a time in our life in residency, and I call it um, a peeing contest. Has anybody ever been there with your, your spouse? It's like, well, I do this, and I do that, and I raise kids, and I've got to be over here. We are both very driven individuals. And so sometimes our schedules, because they're very hectic, comes with the who's going to do what. And so that became her life. And she was in residency. It was horrible. And so we, I, like, we were just done. Like We didn't even like each other anymore being real like it was just like love was gone it was like I think I like you but most days I don't and so God did this God did this really cool thing was he decided he was going to move us to Chicago Illinois and I I thought you know we thought that we were moving for ministry but we were moving so God could save our marriage he moved us to the third largest city in the nation so that we had nobody but the four of us we had to become a team and I had to humble myself quick fast and in a hurry and say, you know what, my job is to serve you. And I'll tell you what, if you're married, your job is to serve your spouse. And if you get nothing else accomplished in life, you lived a life well lived. You have. And so that's what I had to come to, is I have to serve her. And so that's what God is doing, is taking uh, this moment to where he says that this is a quality that I want you to have, is humility. But you see what the funny thing about humility is? Most of us misunderstand this quality. We think that it is us you know, being down on ourselves, saying, well, I'm not good enough, and nobody likes me, and I'm never going to amount to anything. That's not humility. That's degrading yourself. It is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. You see the difference in the statement? Humility is not putting yourself down. Humility is building others up. Think about it like this. If you walk into this room and you say, what does everybody think of me? What are they thinking of me? What do they, what do they think I'm like? Then that's a prideful statement. But if you walk into this room and say, how can I help all these people? Then that's a humble statement. Because you're, it makes it not about you, but it makes it about other people. And it's really hard. Husbands and wives and, and kids and relationships, it's hard sometimes to come with that mentality. So you may be thinking, that's really hard. I'm going to tell you, it is. And sometimes it stinks. And we, we have this inside of us. But why should we humble ourselves? That's a good question. Because God tells us more promises about humility than anything else in the Bible except generosity. The number one talked about topic in the entire Bible is money, generosity. But the second most talked about theme in the Bible or topic is humility. And he gives us more promises about generosity and humility. That's why we say all the time, if you want to be most like Christ, give and serve. And you'll be most like him. Because that's what Jesus did. So that's kind of where we're at is, is Paul is lining us up here to say, this is what it looks like when you live this life. So in James 4, 6, he says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So why does he say oppose? 
Basically, he's saying when you come in a relationship and you have a prideful moment or you have prideful statements or thoughts, you are on the opposite side of God. Now, don't get it twisted. You've not lost your salvation. It's just that you're on the opposite side of God. God's character is humility, and you're having a character not like God at the moment. So he's saying that when you come in that, that you're on the opposite side of God. But then he goes on and says, but the, he gives grace to the humble. So what does humility bring us? What is grace? Grace is the ability to do the things that I don't want to do. It's the ability to forgive when I really don't want to forgive. It's the ability to come even when you know you're right and you say, you know what? I'm good. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have acted that way. Even though you know that you're right, that's humbling yourself in a relationship. And that's what he's looking for. It's almost like saying when we become prideful that we're almost picking a fight with God. We're saying my way is better than your way. And he's wanting to offer us grace. So grace is the ability to forgive and to show people love. And it says, therefore, or, so there is no relationship so damaged that it can't be brought to restoration through humility. There's none that damaged. There's no situation. There's no marriage. Nothing that can't be changed when you humble yourself because God gives grace. So let's look at this. What is so important about these two relational rules? What, what's so important about it? See, without harmony, you'll have no happiness. And you can't have harmony without humility. They go hand in hand, and you have to humble yourself. So Paul's lesson is summed up by relational harmony sustains happiness, and harmony starts with humility. So I have four things that I want to, to talk to you about, about choosing humility requires. They require four things. You guys ready? Yeah. You ready to take notes? You all want that mansion, don't you? Can you just look at somebody and smile? It's heavy, I know, but it's good stuff. All right, number one, you have to be grateful. Wow, grateful, you want that? I know. One of the things that I found in research of this is Paul is always grateful. He's just grateful in his relationships. He's always talking about it. He's always writing and expressing gratitude, but he never complains. In any of this, he has, as Pastor Chad's taught us over the last couple of weeks, he had more than enough reason to complain, right? I mean, the man is not in very good situations. And he could complain, but he never did. He always chose gratitude. So study after study has linked gratitude with happiness. How many people want to be happy? Yeah, like we want happiness. So we have to develop the habit of being grateful. And I, I really find it hard, and I feel like I keep talking about marriage, but their relationship with God is structured like a marriage. And in a marriage, you have to be grateful for that person. When you stop looking and, and remembering and knowing why you wanted to marry that person, your marriage is headed downhill. And you have to stop and say, and just be grateful for who they are. Be grateful for that person being in your life. But Philippians... 2.29 says, Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in honor. So I found it interesting that Paul is writing this and he, want, he was getting ready to send a gentleman to them that they were used to, that they had relationship with. And he was challenging them. He said, this is what I want. I want you to treat this man with honor. I know that you know him and you have relationship with him, but I need you to treat him with honor. How many know that when you are 
you have a really close relationship with somebody, it's really hard to be grateful for them, right? We kind of get to where, oh, it's just Jeremy, right? Like next week, we're going to have Pastor Drew come, and you guys can be like, he's been here quite a few times. You can be like, oh, it's just Drew. But we're asking you to honor Drew, right? Honor the word that he's going to bring. That's kind of what Paul is doing right here in this situation. He's saying, I'm sending someone, and I need you to honor them. Why is honor such a big deal? Because to honor someone is to value them. And when you honor somebody in your life, you honor the place that they have in your life. Today, we're honoring dads. And we're honoring the value that they bring into our lives. And that's the, the thing that he's telling us. So honor is choosing to see people the way God sees them. It's really funny. Uh, the, and, and I love how the Holy Spirit brings up situations in your life when you're about to preach. My wife and I opened up a, um, a kiosk. We own a business in a mall. And so over the past week, I've had to work at that kiosk. And it's really funny because um, people treat you like trash sometimes when you're, in, when you're in sales. It is. You probably do it too. I'm judging you. I'm kidding. <laughs> Treat the people who serve you well. But it is. And so I've had these moments where pride can come up because people are treating me like I have no brain just because I'm working in the mall. And I'm like, I have multiple degrees and I'm getting ready to have an MBA. And so that kind of come up. I'm like, I wanted to rouse it and be like, but it's that pride coming up, right? And God's like, uh, and I'm like, and you have to swallow it. And it just cracks me up, but that's what it is. And it's at that point where people have to, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, you have to value people no matter what they're at, no matter where they're doing or what they're doing, good or bad. And that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us through Paul in this writing. So when we do that, we have to learn that we have to celebrate people, even in your life. Don't, don't, just, don't just measure people on how far they have to go, but celebrate how far they've already come. It's a big deal. Think about it like this. I have two daughters that I love with all my heart most days. And I'm kidding, I do. But my eldest daughter is a perfectionist. She gets that from her mother and a little bit from me. And my younger daughter, Sayla, she is um, a dominant personality. She's, it's either prison or president. We're praying president. But she's just, there's, there's no in between with her. There's not. I mean, she's like, at dawn we ride. So I can tell her something. And it's like she, she's fixated, like she has a goal, and the goal is this. But Emma, when you give her, she sees a goal, and she's like, it has to be done this way, and this way, and this way, and then you're done. Selah doesn't see that. So right now, as a parent, I'm trying to teach Emma that you can't body slam your little sister because she doesn't do it this way, and this way, and this way. She sees, you want me to clean it up? It's all in my closet, but it looks clean. So Emma is struggling to celebrate Selah for what she is in this moment. And I'm like, let's just celebrate her, not for what she didn't do, but that she just at least cleaned up her room, right? And that's kind of how it is. Sometimes we have to just celebrate people for where they, they've came to, not like where they still have to go. And sometimes that's really hard. But if you expect perfection, you're not going to live a happy life. And that's the principle I'm trying to teach Emma, is that she's not going to live a happy life if she expects perfection. And she has to value people. God didn't expect you to be perfect before he started valuing you. So you can't do that to other people. And whenever we get that principle, it becomes powerful. So the first thing, we have to be grateful. The second thing, in choosing humility, requires that I'm prayerful. 
prayerful. We love prayer here. It's the secret sauce to this place. But first, I want you to think about somebody who irritates you. Just think about them. Don't look at them. That can be awkward. That's an awkward drive home at that point. Like, just think of them, right? So I want to ask you a couple of questions. The first one is, do you pray for them or do you complain about them? Now, my second thing is, when you complain about them, does it work? No. So why do we do more of the thing that doesn't work? Right? So sometimes we just need to stop for a minute and pray for that person, even though we don't really, we want to lay hands on them and pray later. <laughs> Amen? Has you ever been there? Just me. Okay. So we can't do that, but we just need to pray for them. So why don't we ever see Paul complaining? This is why. Because he is always praying. Let's look at Philippians 1.4. It says, In all my prayers for all of you, I'm always, I always pray with joy. See, Paul developed the habit of always praying. He developed this habit, and it took away the desire to complain from him. So here's the thing that I want to challenge you, is that you can't change anybody. You can't. If you're young, I don't even know where this is coming from, but if you're young and you are about to get married or you're in a relationship and you feel like that person needs to change, I promise you, I'm going to give you some freedom. Standing before a pastor or a judge and putting a ring on a finger is not going to cause them to change, okay? There's freedom in that. Take my advice. I'm, I'm not much older, but wiser. I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but no, but honestly, you can't change anybody. You got to give it up. The only person you can change is you. And when you do that, then you realize that you, it takes so much pressure off. But here's how you can you can pray for them. Because here's the most awesome part. When you pray for them, you'll realize that they don't only change, but you do too. And a lot of times you change more than they do. So if you're in a situation, a relationship that you feel like just not ending well, prayer is a way to inject hope in the situation. So we got to be grateful. We got to be prayerful. Number three, choosing humility requires that I look for ways to serve. There's that word. We love that word. You want to be like Christ, give and serve. So Philippians 2.5 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think about that. Paul just raised the stakes a little bit. He just like set the bar pretty high. He said, In all your relationships, I want you to have the same thoughts, the same mindset as Christ, who being... In the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So he's saying he was God. He could do anything he wanted, but he chose not to. He didn't use it for his advantage. He didn't use his relationship with God for his advantage. But here's what he did. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Wow. So think about this. He's saying basically Jesus Christ is the most humble person ever because he was God who came down and decided to become man. Think about it like this. Creator entered creation. Eternal entered time. Seated on a throne came to be born in a barn. Like praised by angels decided to be disrespected and beaten and murdered for us. Like that's just crazy. So here's how I know the Bible's true. You and I would have never created a humble God. We would have never done it. Look at all all of the man-made idols. None of them have the quality 
of humility. None of them do. And that's, that's what makes God so amazing is because he's the epitome of humility. He's the God that we could have never invented. But here's what's funny. The exact opposite is true for our culture. Our culture does not want us to serve people. It, doesn't, it says the more people you have serving you, the more important you are. Right? Like that's the goal of our society. You need people serving you. You need to be famous. That's why kids with cell phones are trying to be YouTube stars because we want to be famous. We have this drive and all that stuff. And it's, it's kind of sad. But in God's world, he says, no, mine's a, my system's a little different. You're more important to me when you serve other people. I've heard it called the Mother Teresa principle. Mother Teresa gave up her life to serve the least influential people in the world. She served beggars dying in Calcutta, and she ended up becoming. God raised her up to be someone who got influence with kingdoms and governments. Here's the thing. If you serve people and you serve them well, it will put you in rooms that you never dreamt you would be in. It will put you before kings and presidents. And that's powerful through serving. And that's what he said. He was saying here is that this is the heart of God, is serving people. That's what I had to do for my wife. I had to get to the place that I was over me, and I was willing to say, you know what, if I don't accomplish anything on this earth, but I serve you well, and I help your dreams come true, I lived a life well lived. I was successful. And that's how you humble yourself. That's where I had to come through. There's no magic wand to humility. It's a habit. It's developing a habit that unfortunately is not not developed in the big things in life. It's developed in the little things, day after day. The little tiny ways that you can serve people. Like today, you may walk out of this room and see a piece of trash and have the opportunity to serve and bend down and pick it up, but you may be like, oh no, that's not for me. I'm, I'm too good for that. Uh, they pay people to do that. And you're right, we do. But the problem is, is that that's an opportunity for God to test you to see, are you a servant? Because the most successful relationships are built on the smallest act of service. Husbands, can you serve your wife and help clean up the dishes after you've worked all day? Or do you cling to your recliner? Wives, can you give a compliment rather than a complaint? Employee, can you do more than you're paid to do? Employer, can you actually help and not just bark out orders? See, it's the little tiny things that add up to be something big. If you want to have humility in the big things in life, you have to get there by doing them in the little things in life. So lastly, so we have to, um, the last thing that we have to do is I do what's right even when it's painful. We do what's right even when it's painful. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus did the right thing, even though it was excruciating for him. The worst murder mankind has ever known was the murder of Jesus Christ. And he did that for us. Even though it was going to be painful and hurt, he chose the right thing. And that's what we have to do in relationships. Spiritually speaking, there are going to be times that you have to grin and bear it. But you're, there's also going to be times that you're going to have to choose joy despite the pain that you go through. 
I've shared a lot of my story, and uh, my story is different. I've shared it quite a bit, but um, my sister uh, raised me. After my mom died, she and I just had this special relationship. She was basically my mom, old enough to be my mom. My parents were older when I was born. In fact, my dad, just because it's Father's Day, my dad would be 100 years old this year. Let that sink in. Isn't that freaky? A hundred. Not my grandfather, my father. My dad was born in 1917. Weird. Yes, it was. It was the weirdest thing ever. Like, he's, like, telling me stories from, like, World War II, and I'm, like, you know, I'm learning it in school. It was just crazy. But... So it was a weird situation. So they passed away, and so I was really close to my, to my sister. And about five years ago, she was murdered. And not just like murdered, like just murdered, like gruesomely murdered. And um, I, like, I'm still trying to find healing, just to be honest. Like it's, it's a process. And so um, about three to four months ago, even before we even knew, we were, well, we knew we were doing this series. I didn't know I was preaching in this series. There was a gentleman who shared his story with me, and he had a family member murdered, so it opened that door. So I kind of shared my story, and he and I just kind of began exchanging, you know, and, and sharing. But the funny thing is, is like, he was happy telling his story. And I'm just like, I'm sitting here like kind of mortified because I felt like I was watching, a, I just watched a Lifetime movie, you know what I mean? I'm just like, oh my God, like that's insane. And he's happy and smiling. And so I kind of asked him, I was like, can I ask you a question? He was like, sure. I was like, you almost seem happy sharing this like crazy story. And he was like, well, you know, he said, I found that I could either let this define me or I can choose happiness and move on with life. And that statement just kind of struck me. And so I kind of feel like I'm going to change the word happy with joy because sometimes joy, you can choose joy and not be happy. So I'm going to kind of interchange those. What I feel he was trying to communicate to me is that he found a way to have joy. Sometimes he wasn't always happy, but he found a way to choose joy, right? Sometimes you're going to have these things happen to you in life. As the worship team comes back to join me, um, where you have to grin and bear it. But there's sometimes that you can be grinning and bearing it and still find joy and still have peace. But I promise you, there's no relationship that you have that cannot be healed through humility. There's none. There's not one that, can be, that, that can't be healed through prayer. One of the most humble moments that I ever have is every morning, every day, when I have to pray for my sister's murderer. It's hard. I'm not that spiritual. There are days that I'm like, smite him, Lord. There are days I'm like, you know, all this stuff. But most days, I'm like, forgive him, Lord. I hope he finds you. Bless him. And that's really hard. And I'm not saying that to be overly spiritual. I'm just saying that I know the principle that Paul teaches to find freedom in relationships. Now, my friend had this awesome opportunity. He actually got to go to prison and look his family member's killer in the eye and say, I forgive you. He said it was amazing. And listening to his story, it was awesome. My sister's murder, we know who it is. And they're still very much free, as free as you and I. And I have not had that opportunity, but I get to pray for him every single day. And sometimes it's not fun. It's grin and bear it. Get through like, blessing, Lord. Then there's other days that it's easier. It's like, bless him, God. Like, let him find you. Let him find true freedom. Forgive him. And I share this part of the story with you because that's kind of my doing what's right, even when it's painful. I don't know what yours is. Your story is totally different than mine. 
But whatever it is, in all of your relationships, in all of these moments, there's nothing my God can't do. There's no relationship he can't change. There's no situation that he can't come in and save the day. If you would, if you would stand with me, if you're here and you're kind of in that situation where you have relationships that are kind of going wrong and you have a couple of, of situations in your life, I promise you that this God that we talk about, this Jesus who came and was born in a barn and humbled himself and is the epitome of humility, he wants to come into your life and he wants to change your life forever. If you would, just for the people, would you bow your head and close your eyes? I, I promise you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to parade you around or ask you to come up and do anything weird. I don't want to do that. I just want to offer you this opportunity to have the greatest relationship of your life. Because I promise you, He will come in and it will be the greatest moment. There'll still be times you have to grin and bear it. It's, it's not a magic Wand, he's not going to come in and poof, everything's okay. But I promise you, he's going to come in and help you choose joy. And then that joy the next time is going to be easier. And it's going to be easier until eventually you have so much joy that you're free. And you're going to finally know what it is to be free. So if you're here today under the sound of my voice, or maybe you're online, you have the opportunity to click the bottom of your screen at the banner to accept Christ. And you're here and you say, I need this, God. I need this relationship. I'm not going to embarrass you. I simply want you to just raise your hand up high. High enough for me to see it. Thank you for that hand. I promise you that this is going to be the greatest relationship that you've ever had. And he's not like humans who fail us sometimes. He never, ever fails us. Ever. And even though people will, he never will. So I'm just going to ask if everyone under the sound of my voice, just pray with those couple of hands that went up. If you just repeat after me, say, God, we love you. And Father God, I ask you, to forgive me of all my sins. Help me choose joy in every relationship, every situation. And help me live my life for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could you give it up for those couple of people? I love it. Heaven is throwing a party right now. But I have one more question for you. You may be here. Just, just bow your head, close your eyes one more. And then I promise you, as the prayer team gets ready and the staff would come, if you have some relationships in your life that, that, that just aren't, they're just not well and that you need prayer for, would you be bold enough just to raise your hand? Hands going up all over the room. Yeah, we all have some relationships. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to pray for you. But then what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to come up front and let these amazing people pray for you. Let them pray for you. And I promise you, if you do these things that Paul lays out, the situation will change. Not because I'm awesome or I'm anything, because it's the Word of God. It's principles laid out. It's promises that He gave to us. So let's pray. Father God, over everyone under the sound of my voice, oh God, 
God, I pray over relationships, oh God, that we would choose joy in every relationship, oh God, that you would help us to be Christ-like, that you would help us to be to have gratitude, that you would help us to find joy, that you would help us to pray for those, oh God, that you would give us compassion to serve them. And even when we have to grin and bear it, oh God, that we would choose your way because your way is higher than our way. And God, Father, over everyone who raised their hand, I pray that you just flood into their relationships, bless them, oh God, and heal their hearts and heal their relationships. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.